Welcome to Tipping Points, the podcast that reveals moments in people's lives that change everything. My name is Luke Edelston, and each week I interview fascinating people with extraordinary stories to find their tipping points. Today, I'm really excited to bring you Kawan Kawadagi. Kawan is co-owner of Free Gyms, where he lives in San Diego. Having stumbled into fitness, he is now a master trainer, gym owner, and operator. He says he wouldn't be where he is without his mentors. In the bleak winter of COVID, Kawan also started a podcast called Valueverse to talk about the stories of mastery, growth, and success. He has quickly built his Instagram to 12,000 followers in just over a year. Kawan, welcome to the show. Hey, Luke, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. It's my pleasure. And I thought I'd start uh, maybe somewhere obvious because you're uh, a fit bloke, you own gyms, you work out. Um, and I, saw, I know we talked a little bit before this about your journey into fitness. And I, I want to pick out one bit, which just astonished me with the level of commitment and everything you have. And, and so this is becoming a master trainer. And uh, you told me like the journey of going there and how committed you were. So maybe you could tell me a bit about um, becoming a master trainer and, and what that's done for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, thanks for the uh, for the great question there. It's it, it, I started off as a you know just like anybody else going to the gym on a you know consistent basis. Um, I was a you know big uh, you, you know I partied a little bit and. I used to smoke about a pack a day. So it all started off with just, you know, a simple run and um, that turned into another one. And, and then, you know, I was, I was doing another one. And before you know it, I, it, the habit stuck, I, I enjoyed the process. So, um, you know, I joined the gym and then from there, I, you know, I, I liked the, the process of working out, of seeing some sort of results that used to start to come and, you know, um, just seeing the progress overall. So, uh, yeah, I got, I was very fortunate to meet, um, you know, a gentleman that basically offered me a, uh, an introduction to uh, a manager that extended me the, the interview. So, um, I started off, you know, uh, as a trainer with zero sessions under my belt and, um, I always joke and say that the, the shirt they gave me was a little too baggy so that it made me look like, you know, just another average guy in there with a large shirt on. So, um, you know, basically not looking like the biggest trainer in the room. So I said, all right, you know, what do I got to do? And I, and I shadowed people and I uh, studied my craft and, before you know it, I was given clients and then I was given, um, you know, more clients and I got more clients on my own. And I was just remember being, seeing the title of, you know, master trainer being something that I wanted to go get. And it was at that time, 2,251 sessions was the, the goal to, to get master trainer. And I was at zero. Right. So I knew that obviously I had a long way to go and, you know, it's so true, but, you know, in the couple hundred, first couple hundred sessions, I was, I didn't know anything. And then the first 300, 400, you know, things started to show up a little bit more. And then around, you know, the late 
you know, 800, 900 to a thousand sessions is when I start getting a little more competent, right? So a little more um, able to do it as they say, you know, unconscious, competent, right? So and I'll tell you more about that. But so I got to the thousand mark, I got to the 1500 and then eventually, you know, acquired more certifications along the way. And then I got to 2000 and then uh, 2,251. So it was right around there is when I started to feel like what they call unconscious competent, meaning you can kind of do it blindfolded, right? So it just, it's in part of you and it's in, ingrained in you. You know what to do with it. There's not much um, thinking that goes into it because it's just all, you've just done it so many times. So just the power of repetition, right? Literally just showing up. So around that time, and then I, I continued on and, and kept training, obviously. And then I, I eventually got to the, the 10,000 hour um, training sessions where, you know, they gave you this cool patch and all that. But that was essentially my, my road there. And I learned a lot along the way, you know, just priceless lessons in, in the craft and, and training and fitness and, and people and, um, you know, just finally being, you know, fortunate enough to have the ability to say that I'm decent at something, right? So a large part of my life um, was trying to find out who I am. I still try to do that to see kind of like what my purpose and what my being is uh, to, to, to pass along or to affect the world. So uh, the journey to master was, uh, was a beautiful one. And my message to everyone is to, you know, find that thing that, that speaks to you, that, um, that you just, don't mind doing and you don't care and you love it and you're willing to, to, to dedicate the most of your time to it. You know, um, our actions and our habits reveal a lot about our character and um, working out for me was just something that I always wanted to do. I love doing it and I love talking about it. Um, my relationship has evolved with it as uh, time goes on. Now it's, uh, it's a little bit Sometimes it feels like a chore, but I have a trainer for that. So um, <laughs> the master becomes the student once again, you know, so mastery is a beautiful thing. However, you know, I've, as I've heard it best, it's not, it's never something that you quite reach and stay at, you know, um, mastery is um, in a sense, an illusion because it's uh, it's con things are constantly changing. You're always having to adapt. And a true master is one that keeps learning. That's true. Very true. And the number is just uh, ridiculous for me, like 2,251. Uh, where did they plug yeah. that number out of? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they got that number. I, I was I was asking a few people, know, and it was always the one behind it. So level one was 751. And then there was tiers, right? There was 1,501. And then there was 2,251. And then I was like, why did they put that one on there? And I just I always thought that that was amusing. So <laughs> maybe it's like darts, you know, where they have to get 501. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the guy. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it just sounded better than 2,250. <laughs> it's, it sounds funny. So, I mean, we're talking about it. So good on him. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I suppose um, you, you've talked about your drive and things and. The, the 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 I think the title master sounds great because I was doing a physics degree, uh, and I was going to be bachelor of physics, and there was that always the option to be master of physics, and I thought 
that sounds great. It sounds like I'm going to be Magneto from X-Men or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a similar thing for you. like, Because um, what was your like driving force? Because that's so many sessions. It's so such... And you did it in quite a, a, a compressed time frame as well. You really did focus on it. Like, What was really driving you to, to that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I you know... <sighs> There was a time it, it would take. So I, I crunched the numbers and I said, you know, how long is this going to take me? Because, you know, there was a pay bump involved in it. So obviously that was a big incentive. Um, also, um, you never, you know, it's just you get to a point where you imagine spending so many years of your life, you know, drifting, um, you know, before that, in a part of the story was I was trying to be um, an actor. Right. So um, waiting for the phone to ring. So many things are out of your control. Right. And. You're, you're spend your whole life trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do. And when I was finally given the opportunity and given this, you know, this amazing opportunity of, of changing people and, and transforming people, um, it was almost like I had this pent up, you know, um, reserves or, uh, you know, sort of like aggression or um, fuel that was unused inside of me. And that I just channeled into that, into that career. I mean, I gave it, I want to say I, I'm hard on myself. So I can say I almost, I can always do better, but, but I gave it, you know, almost my all there. So I threw myself at it. Um, and I follow the words of, you know, what a, a mentor that, that got me certified told me, um, he said, you know, one of the teachers that I had, he, I said, you know, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give, to a new trainer starting out. This was like the day before I was going to take the exam and I was nervous. Um, and he said, you know, man, just throw yourself at it. And I took those words and I ran with it. Luke, you know, I just, I just gave it my all and I focused on it and I was, I was not going to do it halfway. So I crushed it in my head and I said, okay, if I do this many hours a day, it's going to lead to, you know, hundreds of hours, this amounts of months. And then it'll, it should take me, you know, somewhere. And I wanted to do it in under two years. So it took me about, I think it took me 18 months, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so 18 or 19 months. So I just, uh, I just went at it, you know, 15 clients a day, sometimes um, over time, six days a week. And they wouldn't let me work seven. So if I wanted to work seven, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but California, California law stopped me. And I, I'm glad they did because I was I was running myself into the ground towards the end. But, you know, it's just the, the takeaways there, just the, the dedication and, and hard work ethic. You know, it's if you and that's my message, you know, if you if you dedicate yourself to something and then you just clamp down on it and just commit yourself to it, you know, for eight or nine hours a day, what's going to happen? Right. You're going to you're going to come out of it. You know, it's going to, you're going to become that, that thing and it's going to become a part of you. So that's what it is. You know, it just, you can't replace that. You can take shortcuts, you can do things, you can become successful, but if you want true skill, if you want true mastery of something, nothing really replaces time. You know, I think I read a great story about, it was, it was a real small article about BJ Penn who became a, um, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it usually takes people about 10 to 15 years sometimes to acquire a black belt. Right. Um, and I think if I'm not saying he did it in, I think it was four or four and a half years. And I said, well, how the heck did he do that? And he just studied every day, you know, for hours upon hours. And 
that's it, you know? So that's, that's literally just, that's, that's what it takes. You just have to just dedicate. And I, that's what I told myself. I said, I wanted, I wanted master uh, more than anything. And the cool part about it was that you got this, you know, this t-shirt that said master trainer on the back. So I was like, I got, I got to get that. <laughs> nice. Your badge of honor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. And um, I think, the time I've been most successful, or, or one of the times anyway, was it's a similar situation, but in a different field. So I did a physics degree and I can't say I was in love with it. I didn't have the, I don't know, I, was, I knew I never was really going to go and use that as a full-time career, but at the same time, I wanted to do very well. And I think part of the drivers i mean some of the drivers you can have can be positive ones like yours was like that goal orientated like i want to be this master trainer i really want this and other people uh can be driven by pain or um not wanting to fail or something like that and i think my um driver then was the pain and not wanting to fail not wanting to be good enough all this kind of stuff which is quite uh, a common thing I think with a lot of people is they want to be good enough and so that was my way of showing I'm good enough to like my parents basically um, and so I was going at it so I had a good support group as well which is I think often important I went with my friends and accountability as well went to the library every day went literally went from nine o'clock got on the you know got on the bus got to the university took snacks took some food I, I was not good at nutrition then so couldn't be better but uh, and then I worked through the day until it was about eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And this was pretty much every day. Um, and I did this for, for a few months before the exams. So it wasn't like I, did, I crammed a week before. That wouldn't really work. And I made a plan like you did. You'd said, right, let's break this out into how long this is going to take me. So I, I broke this down and we went, okay, so I'm going to study these papers, make these notes to do these past exam papers, went through it step by step. And I wouldn't say I'm the most intelligent person ever. I'm very curious. Um, but I still managed to get the best first class degree in my year and got an award for it, which to me is still a, it's a great sense of pride. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. But looking back now, I can realize that that was such a big effort on my part. And it was a part of, like you say, the, the commitment and de dedication. Oh, 100%. Um, and that's awesome that you you were able to see it on your end like that and um, and the curiosity, Luke, is the, is the biggest takeaway for me. It's, it's being open-minded, you know, and, you know, there's a, there's a quote that says, trade your cleverness for bewilderment by <laughs> Rumi, right? And oh, that's a good one. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's so true. There's every time I think that I know, I know it all, right. It's, it's like something comes and teaches you a lesson, um, real quickly. So in business, it's so the same, you know, um, I always translate things that happen in fitness alongside business, you know, because pain is, is ultimately growth. Like you said, you use that pain to, to, um, say as a motivator. And that's kind of what that is in, in fitness as well. You know, literally every single repetition, every single set is, is painful because you're growing, right? And um, muscles get pushed to their to their threshold, to their to their limit. Um, and that's where the growth occurs. Now, new science shows you don't have to take every rep to failure. 
Mm-hmm. And but the the premise is the same, right? It's it's doing things that are uncomfortable and um, that keep you in that in that growth zone. So the curiosity is huge, um, and being open minded to 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 it all to to be able to to stay open to to new things of learning, right? For sure, um, yeah. It, I think it's a great metaphor as well. Having if anybody's done, you know, who's listening, has done some strength training or seen strength training, like you say, you can go to failure and you literally go until it starts to hurt. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go until you can't do any more. Like you say, that might not be the best way of doing it. But still, it, it is that go do it, do it again, do it again, do it again. Oh, no, it's hurting. Keep going, keep going. Oh, it's really hurting. <laughs> it's, it, I, yeah. I love that metaphor. It's great. Yeah. Um, exactly. I was quite interested as well because you said you used to smoke a pack a day. Um, I think most people, you know, they see somebody like you and might think, you know, he's been fit all of his life. He grew up and his dad was making him do pull-ups or from like the the ceiling and and stuff. And it's just not true. The same with me. Like I've, you know, I wasn't really interested until I was older. Um, I know you you said somebody basically took you for a run. Was there anything else that sort of triggered you to start going down this journey? Yeah, you know, the, basically how it happened was I, I when I went on that run and, you know, it's funny, but we keep going back to this this message of pain. But when I went on that run, I I felt, you know, a lot of pain after the run was done. Right. And during it, I almost passed out, by the way. It was uh, it was no run in the park, as they say. Right. So it was uh, it was very difficult. And. Um, I just, I got home and it made me introspect big time. I said, you know, what's, what's going on? Why do I feel this way? I couldn't breathe. Everything hurt. And I just remember that feeling and I hated that. So it just made me reflect on my life kind of like, you know, what happened, but it, it took that painful moment for me to come out on that other side and, and literally look at everything in my life. So the another motivating factor was so aside from that was the um you know i had made a pact with my with my mom i said mom if you you know lose weight or you know you start working on your health i'll quit smoking mm-hmm. and for me it was a win win um and i also like crushed my budget right so i attacked it from multiple angles which is what i try to tend to do is when i say if i want to do something i'll look at everything and I'll stack up what the cost of me not doing it is and what the cost of me doing it is and what it can bring me. And when I look at the benefits and they usually outweigh me, the negative things, I'm like, this is a no brainer. You need to do this now. So, and that's what I tend to do. So I sell myself on it. So after I crushed my budget and I, and I looked at some of the, all the, you know, the bad things that was happening. And then I looked at some of the good things and I said, the good things, there's there's not, there's literally none. And so, you know, I, I go from, from an emotional perspective, like a purpose-driven one. I tie, I tied in somebody to it to create an accountability partner. And then I had my workout buddy. And then, you know, that painful, that pain was visiting me. So it was multiple angles that were approaching me on this. So I created such a strong um, you know, defense against it. So that way I knew 
that it was in my heart of hearts that this is something that I wanted to do. So that way, and I never went back. I never had another one um, and, and anything like that, because I, I, I told myself, you know, this is, this is something that I want. I, and I want to, to pursue fitness um, fully. I didn't want to do things halfway anymore. And quitting that was going to be what was going to lead me to become better because after the next run, I, I saw incremental improvements, which is huge. Right. So once you start seeing that you're starting to get, you start to get a little result from something positive, like I'm sure for you, it was probably like in your studies, you started to get somewhere with it and you started feeling, okay, you know what, this is doing something and you got a good grade on a test or a score or something. You say, okay, this it kind of reinforces the behavior. Right. So yeah, I said, I said, okay, I'm getting better. I'm not in as much pain. And that small little improvement, it was like, I was hooked. I loved it because it was literally up to me. You know, when you're, when you was doing the acting thing, going back to the story that I was saying before was that it was so many things you're out of your control, but this was in your control. Mm -hmm. This was something you could literally control if you showed up, worked out and, and, and did it. Right. And that's, and I was like, man, how awesome is that? So I just remember being, you know, it was around 26 or 27 and thinking, what a great, what a great thing that it's literally up to me. And there was no excuses anymore. Right. There wasn't no, Hey, the agent didn't call or Hey, the, the casting director didn't call, or there was no acting gigs. It was, Hey, put your shoes on and go to the gym. It's on you. And I put that responsibility on myself and then I took accountability for it. And that's when, you know, great things happen is when you, when you own up to the things that you want to change or that you want to do. So I think that that is a long answer, but um, there's so much that went into it that I had to, you know, put it all together there, but it, it was, uh, it was hard. Oh, and also Nicorette gum. Definitely. <laughs> definitely get on that that if anyone that's my message a lot of it's physiological <laughs> psychological but the physiological like that once that nicotine leaves your body it's one of the hardest things to do so um that was that was a helpful one yeah i've heard it's very hard to quit smoking and uh yeah i've never been addicted to anything like that so i actually can't really associate with what that is like but i've heard it's very hard so yeah you got to get up all the help you can get and i think that thing you did with your mum was very smart uh you know trying to combine those things together i mean you're really not gonna let your mum down are you <laughs> that's exactly it and I, I i try to build so i don't like announcing my goals i'm, I'm very quiet and, and i keep to myself but i try to build fail safes if that makes sense right so I try to build things and systems against myself because I know myself, right? So yeah. I say, okay, if I if I do these things and I tie all these people in it, now I can't get out of it. I'm stuck in here. So right now I have this, you know, I have a trainer. I see him five days a week. Coincidentally, he's the guy who gave me my start in fitness. And now he's my trainer. But um, it basically by having that appointment, I know I can't get out of it and I have to be there and then I'm done, you know? So yep. it's like, it's, it's a, it's a win-win. So I try to do that for a lot of things in my life. And I, and I think accountability partners are great. So my mom was sort of my, my driving force there or my reasoning. Yeah. 
definitely. The accountability thing, the systems of fail steps, I, I try and use that quite a bit with, with work as well, actually. Um, with the fail saves is, is sort of for me, I took that as uh, what I do is I ended up taking away or making it more difficult. Uh, what I sort of call it is from physics, actually, in a way, this term. But anyway, I'm increasing the activation level of of the thing that I don't want to do. And so the thing I don't want to do, so let's say it's Instagram. For me now, it's, it's really hard for me to go on Instagram. I don't have the app installed on my phone. So instead of just clicking on the app, it's very easy to do that. I have to go to Chrome on my phone. I have to type in Instagram. I probably have to log in, all this shit. <laughs> and, and I just can't be asked. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a hassle. And so I've made it hard on purpose. And same with notifications, like on my phone. Um, instead of, you know, some people get the notifications on Apple and all of them will default, put them all on the front. Like as soon as you press the lock screen thing or the, the screen wakes up and it's got all the stuff in front of you, um, well, you can just, you can turn that off. So I've turned all that off. I've turned the notification uh, symbols off in the notification bar. I can still unlock my phone and swipe down in about two things, but it's much harder than just seeing it or the phone lighting or oh, distracting yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it's sort of analogous, obviously not exactly the same, but it's getting rid of, it's making... The things that you don't want to do harder and the things you do want to do easier. Another example is I've got all of the apps that I want to use on a frequent basis on my front screen. None of those are anti-productive. So I've got like my progression workout thing. I've got meditation. I've got a breathing app. You know, <laughs> got all these things on the front. So I see it. And, you know, if you see it every day, you've got more chance of clicking on it. Uh, if I had Facebook on the front, uh, I'd probably use that more often. But I'd have it installed, so... Yeah, I completely agree with the fail safes. That's, that's exactly it, and then that environmental stimuli, right? So when I when I was getting certified, one of the tricks that we use with with clients as trainers is we told them to keep you know bad foods out of the house, right? Because if it's within reach, you're gonna go grab it. So, but if it's not in the house, you have no option because it's not in there, and it makes it just more difficult for you to like get on the phone, order it, you know, it's, it's probably not going to stop you if you're craving something super bad. I know like I've driven miles to go get a burrito at like, you know, 1am, but um, the, I, I think that you're absolutely right. Making it difficult for yourself to, to give in or cave in is, is the key. And um, it just opens up a lot more possibilities when you think, what else can you apply that to? You know, I mean, imagine if we did that with, with so many things, there's, there's some painful moments where I've had investments like that. And um, had I just deleted those investment apps, I would have, I would have probably been thousands and thousands of dollars richer by now. So, but I had sold them because, you know, I said, Oh man, it's right there. You know, it's not going anywhere. And I, I sold them. Right. That's part of the reason why they make your, your 401k. So, so difficult because they, they tax you so heavily if you sell it. That you just don't uh, want to sell it because it, it gets you it gets you to to keep it and, and make money. So it's kind of something to protect you against yourself, you know. So and and that makes sense. So really cool that you you did that um, for that. You know, so it's it's just super distracting just being on the phone in general. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, I wanted to go back before you you know start getting healthy and got your gyms and all that stuff because i know you weren't originally from san diego were you um and so you sort of moved to like follow a sort of certain career path uh, and you know you were trying that kind of stuff out and and maybe you could tell me a bit more about how that went and where that led you as well 
Yeah. So when I moved to, I moved from Virginia to Los Angeles and then in LA, I moved to, to San Diego. So from LA to San Diego and in LA, that's kind of where it all started for me and in, in the journey of like self-discovery and, and finding myself through, through my health and, and through fitness and, and then becoming that, um, you know, that, uh, I guess, person for myself and finding out my voice in it all. Um, but yeah, moving to San Diego, um, it was tough. You know, I, I was, I left a very good paying gig, um, to, to start my own thing, which wouldn't come till months later. And, um, the transition of that was, was difficult in and of itself. Um, but it, you know, it challenged me again to, to grow from that situation as well, you know, um, and I was very comfortable um, mm-hmm. at times. So, so now I kind of make it, even though I was working a lot, I was, I was comfortable in my status or, or position in life. Right. Which is, which is not something, not somewhere you want to be ever, you know, you don't ever want to be, it's good to celebrate and say, you know, I've done some good things, but the moment you think you're, you've made it, you just start becoming complacent and you start stop wanting, you stop wanting more for yourself. So um, I was reading this book and, you know, I was, I was on my reading chair in in North Hollywood. There's where I lived, where I lived and I would always read there. And then when I, when I was reading there, I was comfortable. I didn't want to leave, you know, and, you know, I was reading later on and said, nothing ever great happens from your favorite reading chair. And I said, shit, you know, that's, it's so true because, you know, years later I went back and the things that I went through and opening um, a business, if you want to find out a lot about yourself, um, obviously relationships um, are, mm-hmm. are a big one. Um, any type of financial crisis, something that just kind of levels you and you're kind of faced with some debt or something big or opening a business, you know, those three, I feel like our, our, um, so a breakup, you know, a financial crisis or a open a business and man, you know, I, I learned so much about myself and, and I was telling myself later on, I'm so glad that you weren't in that, in that reading chair anymore. You know, so I, I cursed the days that I was so comfortable because I, I never would have grown. Right. I would have been that guy that was just hanging out on that couch for 10, 15, 20 years, right? What would have happened? What would I become? And that's sort of the message there, you know, is, is I, I hope, you know, people that, that want something for themselves, I wish them the highest level of discomfort, you know, <laughs> as, as mean <laughs> as that sounds, just because it's just, it's going to pay off so much for you, you know, and everything that you do. And it's a pain in the ass, you don't want to grow. You human beings, they they like comfort. You know, we like to stick around. We like to hang out. But then years and years and years go by, and you say, "Man, what happened to my life?" And then you say, "Well, you know, you were hanging out, and you were you were feeling comfortable." So the discomfort you have now will lead to the comfort that you're going to have later, right? So um, that's something that I tell myself um, all the time, so that I don't get you know lazy, mm. right? Yeah. Well, you said you were quite comfortable and, you know, when you started your business, you had to leave that behind. What was it you were doing that was, you know, when you were, you know, making good money or just feeling comfortable? So 
you know, my hours were, were long. There was basically like getting up at like, you know, four o'clock in the morning and then training and then getting home around, you know, six, 7 p.m. So as far as like physical or comfort, um, it was non-existent. I was always on the move, but it was the status quo of that entire process of getting up, going to work, coming home, repeat, right? And not questioning it, just, just running on autopilot. So, you know, coming back, I, I didn't go out much, so I was always at home, but I was, I was you know, on days that I, I wasn't working, I was reading or hanging out and just, you know, laying around the house because I was physically exhausted, right? Mm. So it was just being in the, in the monotony of the things that, that I normally did. And I think that's kind of what is or translates to comfort for whoever, because it, it's different for everybody. You know, yeah. somebody could... Somebody could do things that could be working at a job and still coming home and, and doing productive things. But it's that it's that cycle or that that routine that carries on for years and years that you don't change up that leads to something else later on. Right. Because it's always it's always doing its thing in the background. Whatever you do over time multiplies itself. Right. It, it compounds later. So um, it's like, well, what, are, what can you be doing that? you know, can have a change or how do you change that? So, you know, um, and aside from the habits, it's, uh, it's the life that you want to create, right? What is that life and what do you want to create? Cause I told myself when I was walking one time, it was like four o'clock in the morning, I was getting ready for my first client. And I said, you know, you're not going to be doing this for 15, 20 years. And it was a thought that came to my head and it was, it was a disturbing one because I was so married to that. That's what I thought I was going to be doing, right? I said, well, this is it. And so when that thought came, I was like, man, you know, what does that mean? Um, and, and and it was outrageous for me to think that that's what it was going to be, right? But some people never question that. They never say, hey, you know, no, this is what it's going to happen. But things change, right? I mean, that pandemic came and closed down that gym for a year and a half. So where would I be now, right? I I would be hanging out in LA. So so realizing that everything everything changes, and you have to change, you know. So <laughs> whether you like it or not, changes is, is going to come, and I think that's the most the most important takeaway. So it's your attitude and in, in accordance to it, you know, um, taking on that change and, and being willing to be comfortable with it. Yeah, oh, you mentioned the pandemic and everything, and well. I guess your gyms would have had to close, didn't they, for a bit? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, well, you you sort of turned that into another project as well, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, with that being, you know, the the closure there, that's kind of when um, you're talking about in San Diego. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of when it was a blessing as well. So you know, that's that's a great point. Um, and I, very nice on, on bringing that up. Basically, you know, the, another wave of change came, right? And, you know, along with that change is saying, okay, now what am I going to do? And that's kind of where that, um, I guess you could say the podcast was kind of born from, you know, because that's when I started working on just adding value on Instagram. And, um, you know, I changed the name so many times and, you know, I lost followers along the way. But it basically, you know, I had all this free time on my hands and I said, well, what am I going to do? 
I said, well, you know, you always want to do something, you know, with, with social media. And I always wanted to have a presence where I could feel like there's a place that I could give a little bit more or, or cause little, you know, changes, positive things to happen. So that's kind of when I took on um, Instagram and I grew my followers. And then um, I said, you know, there's some, I still want a little bit more. I still want to affect people a little bit more. And that's kind of when the idea of, of value verse came along where I said, well, I want to try a podcast at some point, you know, how do I do this? And I procrastinated for a good year. And, um, that's when I, you know, I started slowly coming around to it and started thinking of it, but absolutely. Yeah. When, when, when I was given all that time, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go waste it. You know, and it was easy to do because you had nothing but free time. You can go out and do whatever you wanted. Everything was closed, but, you know, you could still, you know, meet up with a friend at a park or have some some get together somewhere um, and social distancing and whatnot. But that's when I when I focused and in, in, in more on in that. So I picked that up and I picked up surfing, which was a uh, was a, was a blessing. But um, I think when you're given opportunities and when you're given things that seem like crisis or that seem like they're bad it's and how you respond to them is, is the key and what you do with them. Um, because that's when beautiful things are born or that can come about, but it all depends on you, right? It all depends on your outlook, the way you look at it and what you can do with it. Um, I was reading in a book recently and I've always heard it, but I think this guy, I think he really got it down was Patrick uh, Bet David. Um, basically, he in the, in the book, your, your Next Five Moves, he says, you know, I think it's uh, danger shares a character in the word in the Chinese as, as opportunity, <laughs> right? So th the same character that's in, I think the word danger is, is the same word that's in opportunity, right? So, or the same character, excuse me. Um, I might be butchering that, I probably am, but it's uh, it's so true. It's so true. Those things that seem, you know, like we talk about pain and things that come are some of the, the best things are signals and there's, there's opportunity in them, you know, but we got to see them. We got to be able to detach, look at that and say, okay, what, what am I not looking at? How am I not looking at this and what am I missing? You know? So I think the beautiful part that you kind of nailed there is that curiosity, you know, just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm open to looking at it differently. I'm open to seeing what this is. And that's where you are able to change your frame or your lens, you know, and, and to see that different angle. Yeah, for sure. And you've mentioned, uh, I mean, you, you've talked about building your business and the gyms and everything as well. And I suppose it's maybe a leap for some people to imagine going from being would you call yourself a personal trainer? Like when you were doing the master trainer stuff, is that what they call it in America? Yeah, absolutely. And in the, the yeah. heart of the core, I'm a personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah. So going from that to a gym owner, multiple gym owner and co-owner, um, that seems like a jump to some people. Starting your own business and working for somebody else is a completely different set of skills and takes a lot of guts, I think, because it's, it's quite a risky proposition. Um, how did you get into having your own gyms and and taking that leap of faith in some ways? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it was talk about pain, right? Um, I was used to doing things a certain way. I was my own 
sort of boss. I made my own schedule. I did things my way. And in doing so, there was a lot of things that I, I knew that I was doing for four and a half years that way. So when I when we did that, when we first got into the first gym, I had to sort of like unlearn a lot of stuff, right? I mean, there was there was so many times where I had to ditch away with old types of thinking, programming, tools, uh, different things that I had set up for myself. And I was constantly being challenged, you know, and let's talk about it, just learning in an entirely different language, career, mindset, you know, um, skill set. You, you get challenged on every single front and it, it shook me to the core, right? But it, it was the best thing ever because I was constantly and still am uncomfortable. But, you know, the beautiful thing happens is you adapt, right? So I, I basically, you know, had to undo and unlearn a lot of things um, in order to, to make that transition semi-successful. Um, and that's why I always, you know, give credit to the people around me. Um, I am nowhere without them, without every single person that's taken that leap of faith, given me a chance and, and extended that hand to me and said, Hey, um, you know, you're cool or I like you and let's do something here. You know, um, or just, you know, it's corny, but it, it just goes back to, to love and compassion, you know, and, you know, or as we talked about before on the pre-chat con uh, connection, so, you know, without my business partners, without my, my fitness manager, my, without my, you know, buddy, trainer, um, you know, my guy who knocked on my door, took me for the run, I, I wouldn't be the man that I am. So it, it just goes to, to show you the people around you will challenge those perspectives and things that you have set for yourself. So when we first opened, I was fortunate enough to have two business partners that thought, and we think completely differently, but we're aligned on our vision, right? So, mm. um, uh, it was it was super beneficial to have that because it, it it provided constant feedback in an environment that constantly changes right so um you know so many things that happen in nature and in life happen in business right so it's like it, so many things change on on a daily sometimes hourly basis so things that i thought were going normal um literally had no legs in an hour or two and, you know, things that I thought were chaotic disappeared within 30 minutes. And I thought, man, what the heck's going on? And I said, well, what the heck's going on here is, is you. I was like, you have to be in a position where you're able to be formless and, and able to be like water in these situations mm -hmm. that are constantly changing. Because there's nothing more, man, that changes quicker than it does in business. Um, you know, in training, it was the same thing. It was wake up four o'clock, coffee smoothie client go right and then uh, clients had a certain amount of things happening so it was like four or five different things on a daily basis did you get enough sleep are you injured did you eat enough did you you know exercise and are you in good shape or you feel okay you feel well rested so like five or six different parameters right mm -hmm. and business you multiply that by by like 50 because of the moving parts that you have right so you have, okay, economy, you got, um, you got, you know, fluctuation with, with, you know, um, currency, you have bank accounts, you have, 
people's feelings. You have, you know, structural cyclical changes that happen. You have mm. pandemics. So each one of those causes, you know, massive, massive changes on, on an operational level. So you have to, you have to be that formless figure that's in there moving along with it. And it's one of the most challenging things. And that's why, you know, most people um, in business, you know, let alone make it alone, um, can't do it um, alone or need that, that assistance from a team. Right. So that's where, that's where a team is, is the most beneficial because, one person's strength is another, you know, person's weakness and vice versa. So as a team, you can get so much more done um, if you're, if you're an operational unit like that. So um, it, it was a lot of unlearning, a lot of, unpro, you know, reprogramming, um, a lot of leveraging, right. Talking to people, um, a lot of delegation, use of resources, as far as, you know, what, what can I do to, to get over these problems and just consistent problem solving, you know, just, just mm. being good at, at decision-making and, and, and looking at problems in a, in a creative way. So being, you know, curious about how to solve them. So it, I hope that breaks it in a nutshell, but it's, um, it's, it's definitely, it was a, a daunting, challenging task, but um, yeah. my, my message to everyone is, is going in with that open mind and, and, you know, listen more than you talk. So listen to those, those people around you and, and um, yeah, be, just be like water, you know, be formless, let go of the things that you think, you know, and, and buckle up and get ready for the ride, you know? Yeah. Be like water is such a nice one. Uh, Bruce Lee's said some great things. Um, exactly. There's a, there's a few places I want to go with that. Um I'm interested to get a bit more concrete on like the beginning of, of the, the business and everything. So maybe you can think back to when you were either thinking about starting it or somebody proposed it to you or whatever it was. Like what were those first steps for you? Like, like what was step one, step two? Not everything, obviously, but just to give people an idea of where to start. Because I reckon there's lots of people who maybe want to start a business or have started, but haven't done much with it. You know, how, how do they go from, you know, nothing to at least step one or step two? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, I always joke around. I say that I got to where I got to because I, I answered the questions that were being asked of me. Um, you know, at first it was, Hey, have you ever thought about acting? Hey, do you want to go for a run? Um, hey, do you want to become a trainer? And then it was, hey, do you want to open your own business, right? And um, I think for me and for everybody is, you know, going back to being open-minded, to being surrounded, you know, the answers are all around us, right? If you look around, there's so many things going on as far as teachable, teachability and, and, and opportunities to learn. And um, if you can, you can, like, if you can see, walk, hear, right? you you have so much going for you. So I think the first steps is to look at your your current situation and to um, you know uh, approach people that have high levels of, of competence in doing something, right? Um, and asking questions, you know So I always made it a point to to peer into the uh, the general manager's office. Um, because I was always one of the more renowned trainers and, but I always talked to people that were, that were great at what they did. And I approached them with a beginner 
mind, right? A beginner's mind, as they say in, in Zen, right? So I no no preconceptions, no, you know, misconceptions, no judgment. I would, I would talk to them, I'd ask them questions, and I would just get to know them and kind of see what they're about, right? Just super open-minded. So my biggest thing, I think, uh, or answer that question is, is just be open-minded, right? Um, allow yourself the opportunity to, to welcome those things into your life. So, um, and, and, and ask people that are doing what you want to do. Um, so your environment is huge. Look at your environment, right? You know, wh what are you around? Who are you surrounded with daily? Who, what's going on in your circle? If you, if you wake up in the morning and you go hang out at a coffee shop, with your certain amount of friends and then you know you go home or you go to work and you're surrounded by a certain amount of people and then you go home that's sort of how it's going to go right you're, you're not much is going to change because there's not a lot of people in your circle and there's nobody that's new that's going to come in unless you're working at some sort of gig that allows you the flexibility to talk to a lot of different people like in a melting pot of some sort or mm. or just so just just different you know walks of life which I was fortunate to be around um you have to look to your environment and then that's the number one step is if you're in an environment that's not really changing much you're you're not going to get a lot out of that you know so um the simple thing is, is, is looking at where you are, what, what you're doing and what's going on there. Right. So, you know, you, you want to be a successful, um, you know, person in, you know, an entrepreneur then, and hanging out in, you know, Virginia or, you know, so that's where kind of I was. And, um, you, you want to these big dreams. Like for me, I wanted to act. Right. I was like, well, you're not going to be a successful actor in, in Virginia. Right. So I said, yeah, that's true. So I had to change that environment. So I know I said, it was LA or New York. I knew one of the two had to happen. And I was terrified. Right. Um, and, you know, my business partner um, who is real good about, you know, seeing people's strengths and, and sort of inquiring, he, you know, simply asked me, he said, you know, what do you want to do, you know, with your life? You know, have you ever thought about opening a business? Right. And that was kind of the question after that. And I told him I, I wanted to make a certain amount of money. And he said, well, it's not going to happen with, you know, what you're doing now. And, you know, that, again, made me feel uncomfortable and, and disrupted things a little bit. And I said, OK, that's I said, well, how do I what do I do? You know, how do I do that? Right. So um, so we started brainstorming ideas. So, you know, the next you know, learning lesson there is, is find somebody like minded like you um, that is different. In, in different regards, as far as like um, the way he or she thinks and, and buddy up, you know, create sort of like a, a little uh, a business partner or a, a mastermind, if you will. Um, and hopefully it works. It might not. And don't get discouraged because I had a lot of people that I wanted to start projects with that never enough. Nothing happened. Mm. Um, but, you know, being open minded, your environment. Right. So. Uh, those are those are two, and then three is, is is leveraging mentors, right? So finding people that are, you know, this is going to sound kind of funny, but smarter or just in a in a in better positioning that you are, and and just follow them around, shadow them, you know. Um, you want to be a successful, you know, entrepreneur, then you know you got to move to those places where entrepreneurs are, where we have more opportunity. 
right? So that you can be in that environment around people that are like you. And then you're going to, you're going to change your circumstance because of the things you're surrounded by, the actions you take, the habits you do, they're all going to pay off. Um, it's just so hard when you're, when you're not there in that, in that environment there, you know? So I think a beautiful analogy to that is, um, an acorn, right, grows into this this tall tree, but the acorn doesn't make it alone. The acorn needs sunlight, um, proper distance from other trees, you know, irrigation, water, soil. So there's so much that goes into it. And human beings are kind of like the same way. You got to be in an environment that allows you that opportunity to, to thrive and to grow properly because you can have one or two ingredients and sometimes that's all you need. You know, so many things are done online nowadays. You don't, you probably don't need anybody. Just get online and then you join a webinar. And then those webinars are people that are doing things that you're doing. And that's great. You know, if that's something that you want to do online, that's, that's another way of doing it. I did it the old school way because we didn't have a lot of these things that are happening now. So I was physically in places that allowed me these opportunities, you know, and I'm very, very thankful that the universe allowed me to connect these dots that way, but it's so much easier now because all you do is hop online, join yeah. a webinar of a hundred people that are successful or doing what you want to do. And yeah, it's going to cost a little bit of money, but think about what that cost is going to do. Right. So, so, you know, the environment, the, the open-mindedness, asking questions and then finding a mentor or somebody that's successful. And, and yeah, if it costs money, Make that investment in yourself, you know? Yeah, for sure. I spent uh, quite a lot of money to go on a bunch of Tony Robbins uh, seminars. I don't know what you really call them. I don't know if it's seminars or what. Oh, um, man, those are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, which one have you been to? You know, I did one. I've gone to like maybe a couple. I did this Jack Canfield one in, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. One of the first books I read that got me along the sort of philosophical, you know, thinking and all that was the success principles, which I owe a lot to, um, you know, to him in that book um, that was given to me by a fascinating woman. She, she was a client. She would, she also became a mentor to me in my financial um, world, decision-making and, and business and, and thinking. Um, but she, she got me onto that and that's how I attended. She gave me the ticket to the Jack Canfield. So she took a, she took a big interest in me. Um, so those those are great because that that yeah. exactly that challenge that challenges you. So I imagine that you learned a lot from something like that. Yeah, and it's the peer group again. It's uh, you, you go to these things and you meet people that are thinking in the same way. And it, not everyone's thinking exactly the same, but they have the same mindset. Let's say, yeah, you don't want to surround yourself with a bunch of yes men and women like this. Yeah. <laughs> Just say, yeah, what you're doing is exactly right. Yeah, what you're doing is exactly right, and then you know. Next thing you know, it's failed. So it's not much use, is it? Um, but having these groups of people that come together and will encourage each other. Um, and Carl, another podcast guest that I had on this, he is the founder of Yes Group, which they may or may not have groups of the Yes Group in America as well. But they had 50 of these Yes Groups across the world, which were basically Tony Robbins spin-off groups, but it was like a, a local community where people mm. would come and do personal development stuff. Uh, and that's how I found um, doing neuro-linguistic programming training as well through one of those circles. Um, so you don't know where it's going to lead as well. That's the funny thing with all this. Like you go down one rabbit hole and that leads to another. You know, I was talking to Lily Wolford yesterday, um, who's a behavioral and dating coach and all this stuff. And 
you know, now I'm like, oh, I've got to learn about all this. It's so interesting. I want to know when people are lying to me and, and all this just, just from the body language. You know, there's so many avenues to go down, but I guess uh, the truth of that is also to focus on your priority. You know, this, I heard something recently where someone was saying, you know, you've got these priorities and there's not really priorities. Like, you know, when it comes to doing some something successfully, you're not going to have too many of those. You know, you've got a gym and you've got a podcast like that. That's probably your biggest, you've got, let's say, two priorities. I'd say number one is probably a gym. Am I right? That's yeah. right. And then podcast is like second. And then I'm sure, you, you know, you're dating all this sort of stuff or, or whatever, or, you know, you're seeing your friends. But really, you've got two things you're thinking about. And it's similar to me as well. So, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> right. And it took me a while to get there as well because I would scatter my energy in like 15 different things. And that's uh, that's not going to get you very far. So, yeah, absolutely. Focusing on, on one or two things is the way to go. Yeah. And I, I was interested as well about when you said you pointed out, you, you'd picked out your general man manager. Um, uh, what was it about that person that stood out to you? Because you... you You've either got a knack for noticing these things or what is it that people should look for? Uh, what was it that you foresaw in him or her? Uh, you know, great question. He, we, we were having like a, um, you know, a sort of cultural or cyclical change in the, in the gym environment. And he was sent to sort of, um, you know, optimize certain, you know, processes and get things, moving in the direction of, of more growth of more revenue. And he was very to himself and he was closed off because he kept a professional relationship and he was on a mission. You know, he wanted to, to create more of a training culture in that gym. And also um, he had ambitious goals to, to moving up. So what intrigued me the most about him was that um, he was kind of, closed off a little bit. And, and I wanted to get past that because I knew like he was an interesting person underneath and I wanted to kind of get to know him a little bit. So I, I had inquired about him and I don't know, I just felt something there. You know, I said, you know, this guy, he's, he's probably worth asking some questions, see where he's been in life and what his story is. So um, I always had that. Um, and I think it was like our fourth or fifth manager that would rotate it out of that gym at that point. So I, every one of them had, I just, you know, was curious, like, you know, who, who are you? What's going on? What are you up to nowadays? So um, I always kind of had that where I would, I, I take interest in, in people that, um, and, and anyone really that had something to teach me. Um, that's kind of the attitude that I would, I would go in it with. I would always approach people with the intention of learning and um, just kind of seeking out what they're, they're about and what they're, they're doing. So um, I, I was intrigued by him, you know, and um, I still am. And we've known each other for a while and also, you know, other people as well. I'm always trying to see what makes them tick and, and what that's about. But, you, you know, it never hurts to talk to somebody that, you know, um, knows something that, that might know more than you, right? Everybody knows something, right? So, and, I, and I'm glad that I did, right? So if I hadn't, you know, where, where would it all be now? So, mm. you know, ha wondering and, and, and being curious and 
um, forming connections like we talked about is is kind of what it's all about, you know? Yeah. So flipping that on its head a bit then, um, having gone from being the apprentice to the master in a literal sense, in a way, you, know, you became master trainer and then you became the master of the gym as well. You know, you own the gym, you run the gym. Uh, it must be very right. different. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're going, how do you, because you've, you've gone on that journey of learning a lot of things and everything. And then you now in a different phase, potentially, you're also learning, growing businesses and growing more of them. Yet you're also developing and training others. Like that shift is quite different. Like how have you gone about that? And you've, what have you learned in that sort of process? Right. So, so I'm basically going to, um, transitioning from that that master you know basically trainer to uh the business side yeah so from yeah in the, as a gym owner now having to manage people to some extent i imagine uh what was your your kind of approach and what have you learned from being in that position because it's quite different yeah so thankfully you know as a as a personal trainer you kind of um have your own mini business right so you're you're managing clients and those are kind of your your um the people on your team because they're they're with you but at the same time they're paying you so you're you're managing them um you're looking at how much you have to sell and sort of the the micro operations on a daily you're kind of like the business at that point um so uh you know with the business it's a lot of it goes on the initial stages of of hiring and and finding the person in in that way to basically be you know either having the same values or um getting to a place where they they have a level of, of proactiveness that you want to see or that you know they'll add value to the to the business in their own sense so um allowing them to you know the hiring process is is critical right so once you have that in place and you're in a position to be able to grow um, is sort of stepping out of the way sometimes um, to to allow that to happen right in the beginning stages i was also in in the operations very much every day with the one day a week uh, that i didn't try i tried not to go in and give myself that um but basically you are um you know in there with them right so as you start to to go you want to be able to get to a place where you don't have to manage them like that because you know as as the role of owner and also you know strength-based management as, as far as you know which business partner falls on what what gets delegated to them a lot of my area is is, is with people in general right so um, a lot, I, I come from that place of allowing them that, that freedom within the framework, right? So giving them the space to operate, um, with responsibility, right? So, you know, if there's things that, things that need to happen a certain way, they have to happen this way. Um, and a lot of that's talked about in, um, the, the business book, good to great. And a lot of those things get inhabited. Or, or I'm sorry, play out without knowing that these are, are founded principles that have existed for, for years and years, right? So 
freedom within the framework is is allowing the 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 um, team member to operate full knowing that what he or she has to do, right? And you kind of course correct along the way, right? So you have to you have to come in once in a while when things aren't going right, and you got to say, okay, you know. What do you think this is happening here? So a lot of asking questions, getting them to realize what it is that that needs to happen, right? Um, and and coming in to put out fires when need be, right? So it's it's funny, but it's a lot like a family. You know, there's you know everyone has a role, and you are kind of this you know figure that is looking after everyone, but you know you can't be there all the time to hold hands and to micromanage and to, and to always, you know, guide them. So you gotta be able to allow them to make some mistakes, let them learn from those mistakes, ask them what we can do different. Um, and they can't be, you know, too big of a mistake either, because then that, that costs, you know, a company money, right? So you got to be able to um, allow that to happen and then create systems and improve when they do happen. So my, my biggest thing is improvement, right? If I see things going well, I, I nudge things a little bit here and there, but then as things start to, you know, if something bad happens, I'm like, okay, what happened here, right? We, we messed up and how can we prevent future mess ups, right? So this never happens again. And that we we improve as a business because at the end of the day, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to, to become better and, and more efficient, right? And effective. So the overarching thing alongside freedom and responsibility is um is you know uh love at the same time, right? You gotta come from a place where you genuinely care for these people, um, and not in a superficial sense of oh, you know, I do care. You, you, you have to show it, right? You got to prove it with your actions. And that means getting the team together. That means recognizing them. That means praising them. That means giving them more incentives. That means giving them, you know, compensation when they did something good um, and, and helping them when things aren't going well. And when you do that, you know, great things happen. So it's those three really that I've, I've tried to, to boil it down to is kind of the best place that I try to lead from is getting them to, to get to that place of, of having that within them. Because leadership is such a beautiful thing, but you can't force anybody to do anything, you know. Um, and if you operate from a place of, of fear and managing constantly you're just you're going to have this culture that's that's they're just reliant on that to be you always being there you're always having your hand in it and a business isn't a business until you can walk away from it yeah you know until you, you can go travel and, and go somewhere and come back and the place isn't on fire right and you say okay everything everything's all right and that's a business right and yep. I, I think Tony Robbins said that once, you know, um, as being able to, to walk away from it is when, and I thought that was, that was so true. So, yeah, uh, there's so many things there that are really, really interesting. So the last thing you were talking about is kind of business operator versus business owner. So it is probably, it's from what it sounds like is that you initially started with a bit more of a guiding 
force to start with to make sure everything's going in the right direction and as you became more comfortable with other people being good at you know what you want them to do then you could sort of stand back a bit more let things happen and then come back and i really like the way you approach the feedback so the feedback isn't like you did this wrong this is how we're going to fix it because people don't really learn that way and they don't ask them learn to ask themselves questions or realize those things themselves so it's, it's I think that's really powerful to ask people, you know, what do you think happened and how can we improve it? Because it empowers them as well, doesn't it? I think that was that's really right. good. Yeah, uh, good to great. Interesting uh, that that comes up. I hear that, that as a recommendation continuously, so I need to read that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. And uh, the freedom thing as well, you know, people giving them the freedom. So oh, do you... And but, uh, there's so many things actually. So the hiring based on values, I've heard that done before. Uh, I think a lot of people fall into the trap, I and mean, maybe it's not a trap. Obviously, you need competence too. You can't get somebody in your business as a gym who doesn't know anything about weightlifting or, or whatever because that would be pointless. But at the same time, if you had the choice of somebody who's you know maybe not quite as buff versus the person who's you know got the right values and is committed and you know you can trust you'd probably go for that person even if they're not in like the tip top tip top shape you know not quite as good um yeah and people overlook that they think oh these perfect skills are exactly what we need but actually it's it's about the team how they're going to gel within the team as well which yeah the family analogy is fantastic so yeah really interesting uh, so, have you been on holiday since you've had your gym? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, the, the value piece is huge because it, and that's it. That's true. We, we just recently, um, you know, went with somebody that we is a, is a new hire on our team that basically um, doesn't have that that much experience, and and that's great because then you can you can teach them that you know you can teach a skill you know, um, but you can't really teach a story or a, um, uh, an inner belief or a, a value system that's gotta be there, you know, and that, and that's kind of what we look for. We look for people that have a story that are able to, to bring themselves to the organization because, you know, being proactive, being, um, you know, uh, positive, showing up, being, being willing to put in the work and saying to yourself that you want to, um, you want to learn, you want to grow and you can do it. And, and, and that's kind of what we look for. We'll, we'll take that because we know that that spirit is something that will not only, you know, make you have great things in life, but it'll, it'll bring value to the organization to themselves. So, I think that's key and that's kind of what we look for in that and in, in proactive individuals that also solution sell and, and provide um, their story and are just um, just genuine in, in their accountability and their and their, um, um, you know, being human, I guess. Right. Yeah, we're all human. And as you were saying, that's you know, right. You got to treat people with compassion and, and, and love and. I guess that's quite a tricky thing to do when it's, you know, it's got your name on the gym and you kind of like, you can see this stuff going wrong. Maybe it's caused you some problems, maybe caused you some, you know, financial pain. 
but at the same time going back to actually realizing they were doing their best you know everyone's doing the best with the resources they've got you know you can help them to realize more as well which uh you know is another sort of topic i suppose as well isn't it that's right yeah well uh, i think this has been fantastic and maybe we should start wrapping up as well um so just a bit of a close out question so are there any sort of messages or message that you'd like to give to the audience and, and this could be you know framed in different ways you know it could be advice to your f former self or, or anything really you know uh, maybe advice you've given to your colleagues or yeah just looking back at yourself you know what would you tell yourself or, or the audience you know just to, to to leave with i think i think the, the biggest takeaway is to um you know work on incremental improvements on yourself right it doesn't have to be the big the big jump that's going to change your life it's you can start off small and oftentimes that's that's what you know a lot of people do they 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 start off small so start off small you know look at some of the things that are in front of you and the things that you want to kind of make better that are important to you and and do it that way you know do the things that matter to you that you want to do for yourself and and then you'll be amazed and then stick with it you know um stick with that for the long haul and you'll see those those things start to do great things for you um also you know um i can't leave out you know finding mentors finding people that are um either doing what you want to do or someone that'll challenge your perspective and that'll bring you know, um, value to you, right. Surround yourself with people that are, that are constantly pushing you. Um, and, you know, um, work on some of the things that, that are challenges. If, there, if something is painful, right. Just to bring it full circle, it probably is something that's going to help you grow. So don't shy away from pain, you know, um, look at it and, and, and kind of see what it is trying to tell you. What's the, what's the message in it? What's the, the nugget that's in there? Because you'll be surprised sometimes, you know, I call, I call pain a, a signal or a blessing because it's been sent to us for a reason so that we can kind of learn from it or gain something from it. So, so, you know, pay attention to what that is and what that's looking like. And, um, you know, um, don't be don't be too afraid of it. That's great. Start small, find good mentors, and find the, the message and what you can learn from the pain. I think that's great. Well, you can find Cameron on Instagram. As I said, he's got a good following on there at Valueverse or at the Valueverse. Also, uh, this is what this is the podcast as well. Obviously, we're talking about here uh, www.thevalueverse.com. Uh, if you happen to be in San Diego and so you've got any time fitness, you know, you can Google Kawan, you'll, you'll find him there and his smiling face uh, and in his, in his teams as well. I'm sure they'd be happy to go and see you or for you to go and see them either way around. Uh, well, thanks again, Kawan. It's been a fantastic conversation. I've made loads of notes and uh, I feel like every time I do this with people, it's, just, it's like my own therapy session. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for, for having me on and Pleasure to be here and keep up the awesome work with what you're doing. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Tipping Points. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, subscribe, like, and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. Doing this really helps us to keep providing free content to you. If you want to find out more, get more episodes and exclusive content, please head over to tippingpointspodcast.com. If you've got some insights today, like the way I ask questions, and want to take your journey to another level, then Mindful Productivity Coaching is for you. At Mindful Productivity, we take a holistic approach to make you happier, healthier, and more productive. Our coaching program is tailored to your needs so you get what you want from it. Find out more at mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching and book your free discovery call today. That's mindfulproductivity.net forward slash coaching for your free discovery call.